We are so thankful that you are here with us at Fellowship Bible. My name is George Olmstead. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the opportunity to bring the word to you this morning, which I am excited about. I do want to let you know that uh, it will be a little different. We're going to pause our study in Ephesians uh, for this week. We'll pick back up in Ephesians 5. For those of you who are visiting with us, we uh, take very seriously the study of the Word of God to uh, go book by book, verse by verse. And But there are times when we'll come upon a passage and we feel like we need to dig a little deeper on a topic within that passage. And that's where we find ourselves this week. So we are actually going to be looking at forgiveness. And if you remember, Pastor Grant spoke on that last week. Uh, he mentioned it in Ephesians uh, 4, 30 through 32. And so we're going to take a moment this week just to kind of embark upon learning more about forgiveness. I also want to take just a moment this morning to just give a word of thanks to all of those who have served in our armed forces or in the area of public safety or public service uh, we know we celebrate Veterans Day this weekend, and so we just want you to know that uh, Fellowship Bible appreciates all of those who have served, and we are thankful for your service. My dad was a uh, retired, uh, not sorry, he served in the Army, and, a re- and he's also a retired police officer, and so we just want to thank you for allowing us, uh, as through your service, to have a place where we can come and worship and do this freely. Not every country can say that they're able to do that. So we are thankful this morning for all of you who protect and serve. And we want you to know that we will continuously be praying for you uh, as you continue to do so. And for the veterans, thank you for your service as well. So this morning, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been hurt emotionally? You've been hurt. Anybody been hurt out there? Absolutely. We could all probably raise both hands, right? We've experienced hurt. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, a loved one will say the wrong thing and hurt your feelings. Or your spouse will forget your anniversary. Or someone that you thought was your friend betrays a secret. And most of the time what happens is we consider these to be minor offenses. And usually after time passes and an apology has been made, there is forgiveness that takes place. But some offenses cut deeper and bring hurt like no one should ever experience. And they are more difficult to forgive. Maybe you have experienced a sexual or physical or emotional abuse. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of a a marital affair. Maybe you have been victim to pathological lying. You can fill in the blank with the hurt and pain That you've received, or maybe this morning you are filling in the blank with the hurt or pain that you have caused. And through your experience, forgiveness is an inconceivable thought. You know, many of us struggle with feelings like this at some time or some point during our lives. And I want you to know, I I never make light of the situations that we have just mentioned. They they come with deep-rooted anguish, they come with a hurt that no one should ever experience. And, and God knows this, and he understands these hurts. And what we need to realize is that according to his word, there is a healing process. There is a forgiving process. But we want to understand if we continue to harbor feelings of bitterness and hatred, it will consume us and make us unusable for our Lord in that moment. It could destroy... Our witness, 
it would steal our peace. It steals our joy. As a matter of fact, the author of Hebrews warns us about this when he writes, Pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it may become defiled. Listen, if we are unwilling to forgive someone, again, those feelings of of hatred, of bitterness, they'll grow within us. They'll begin to choke the life out of our relationship with the Lord. Even worse, it can spread to others. And it can cause harm. It can cause broken relationships in our families in our friends, in our employment, but also within our churches. As we pursue Christ-like behavior, isn't that what we're called to do as we are saved and we are changed and the Holy Spirit begins to mold us into whom he desires for us to be? We're to, we're to pursue Christ-like character, Christ-like living. And so this is part of that. So how can we understand how to carry out forgiveness? Well, we, we must look at what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. And we're going to do that in a few different places this morning. Again, a little different as we, as we jump scriptures, but we want you to know that they're going, to, uh, they're going to intertwine with one another and forgiveness will become very clear for us as we move about the sermon. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, he is talking about prayer. And he gives the disciples what has come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. We're familiar with it, right? As a matter of fact, we have recited the Lord's Prayer probably hundreds of times in our life. If you've been raised in church or been Christian for any time, uh, the Lord's Prayer just kind of is said in different venues and at different times. And and many believers pray this prayer often. And and, and sometimes I'm afraid that we have said it so many times that we, we don't even acknowledge or really realize what we are saying. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. He says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Did you catch that in verse 12? The word debts in this context is speaking of sins, failure to pay what is due. We forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus doesn't stop there, however. He continues in verses 14 and 15, and he says this, For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. So let's take a time to dig just a little bit deeper here for just a moment. I want us to be clear, Jesus is not saying that we cannot be saved if we refuse to forgive others. Because here's the deal. Our salvation depends completely and solely on Jesus and what he has done for us. It's not what you have done or I have done or what we do. If we had to forgive everyone else for, for, uh, as a condition for salvation, guess what? we would claim that we earned it by doing a work. And the Bible reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's what? The gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Jesus is not talking about forgiveness here that leads to salvation, but, but forgiveness that leads to fellowship. 
And Jesus is talking about sins that we commit after we become a Christian. Sin in our lives as Christians, what does it do? It will hinder our growth. It will cause us to be out of fellowship with God and out of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So the point that Jesus is making is that if if we've truly experienced the forgiveness of God, then we ought to mirror that attitude. We ought to mirror that forgiveness towards others that have sinned against us. Now, Jesus teaches a parable in Matthew 18. If you want to turn to Matthew 18, we're going to be here for just a little bit. You want to turn in your Bibles or there on your phone, or it'll be on the screen as well. But Jesus teaches a parable in Matthew 18, and we pick up in verse 21. And we're going to see that Peter comes and he asks Jesus a question. And here's what he says in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me? And I still forgive him. Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Why would this be like revolutionary? Why would this be like mind-blowing for Peter? Well, the Jewish custom there in Jesus' day was to forgive someone three times for the same transgression. And if they did it more than three times, they were considered to be non-repentant. And you were no longer required to forgive. Boy, wouldn't that be good? But Peter thought that he was being especially generous by forgiving seven times. I mean, I love following Peter through the Bible. It's like, you know what? You said three times, but seven's, seven's pretty good. But then Jesus comes and says what? He says, he says hold on, Peter. You should keep giving, uh, forgiving as many times as it takes What if God only forgave us three times for the awful things that we do sometimes? Boy, I am am glad. I am full of joy. I pray that you are too, that God is merciful and will forgive us time and time again when we fail. Now, I want us to be very clear here. This is not, in our salvation, a license to go sin. God nowhere in his word says, hey, I'm going to save you. I'm going to, I'm going to begin to change you and mold you uh, to be more like me, to carry out my will and my purpose. And hey, it's okay if you kind of go over here and you do some sin sometimes. That's not what he said. But he understands in our humanity what's going to take place. We are still going to fail even within our salvation. We're still going to allow the flesh to win at times, and there's going to be sin that enters in. But here's the deal. This is more about God than about us. What I mean by that, this is more because God has the character of love and mercy. And he wants to create that same character within us. Let's continue in this parable. Jesus says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had become to settle, I'm sorry, and when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment be made. We continue to read. And it says, So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion. 
And he released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. The story continues as we follow on the screen. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. And as the story continues, here we go. It says, Then summoning him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed to him. And Jesus concludes, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. In this parable, the king is God. The servants are you and me. The first servant owes the king an unimaginable amount. They have, they have said, as researchers have looked into this and scholars, that we're, we're talking the millions and billions, like if this was in today's time. There was so much. It was an unimaginable amount, and there is no way in the world that it could ever be repaid. He pleads with the king to give him more time, and, and he will repay it all, he says. But this would amount to someone saying, well, if you just give me some more time, I'll just pay off the national debt. Like, it's impossible. The debt is too much. But the king takes pity on the servant. And what's he do? He forgives his debt. He erases it. Through no action of his own, the servant's debt is cleared. Can I tell you, this is what takes place when God looks upon us and we turn to him in repentance And we cry out and say, God, save us, forgive us from the sin, the sins that we've continuously committed against you. And God looked down upon the repentant and says, you are forgiven. Your debt is cleared. You have a gift that has been given, not only salvation, but an eternity in heaven with me. I want you to know you are no longer bound to that debt of sin. You would think that the servant would worship and treat others the same. But, as we see in our story, the servant goes out, finds another servant that owes him money. The amount given here would be the equivalent of about 100 days worth of pay. Now, that's still a great amount to most of us. But it's nothing compared to the debt that the first servant owed. As before, the second servant asks for more time. But the first servant refuses and has the man put into prison until the debt is paid. The story goes on, and what did it tell us? The king finds out he's furious. He is upset. He can't believe what he is seeing. He calls that servant back in and says, Then summoning him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? The king 
has the unmerciful servant cast into prison until he pays off his debt. Now notice, there's no mention of eternal damnation here. The servant was already forgiven, but he lost the king's blessing. He lost God's blessing on his life because he refused to forgive. Jesus finishes by saying, My heavenly Father, this is so important, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your hearts. So how do we forgive someone that has done something unthinkable to us. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, if you're waiting around to feel like you have forgiven them, you're in for a long wait. You must take the initiative. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about forgiveness, it's not an easy sermon to preach. It's not an easy sermon to hear, right? There are times in our lives that not only do we not think we can forgive somebody, We don't want to. Am I right? We just don't, mm, I don't really care what happens. But here's the thing. We are given the responsibility to take the initiative. You and I, you must decide to love and forgive. You must keep on deciding to love and forgive until finally one day you have forgiven Because after all, isn't that the way God forgives us? He doesn't forgive us because we are so lovable. I hate to break it to you. He he doesn't forgive us because we deserve it. Because we don't. And he definitely doesn't forgive us because it just makes him feel all warm and fuzzy when he forgives us. That's not who God is. God has intentionally chosen to forgive us when we ask And he has chosen to love us unconditionally. Have you ever watched someone, uh, watched an artist paint a picture or a painting? There's a goal they have in mind. There's a blank slate. and, And they're taking you on a journey as they draw this painting. And if you notice, if you watch, you'll watch the strokes of their brush are very, very intentional. To get to the goal, they have to be intentional about the painting that they don't mess up. That every stroke means something. So that picture will come out just as they have foreseen it. Forgiveness is an art as well. Because you and I will not wake up one day and just go, I forgive. It has to be intentional. There has to be a process, and it needs to come from the Word of God. Let's think about this this morning. I want to share with you just a few steps in the right direction towards forgiveness. There's probably many more, but these are three, I believe, that we can begin with and we can carry out through the power of the Holy Spirit. The first step is to pray for those that hurt you. George, I can't do that. Well, I'm glad that the Scripture's there for us to help us. Jesus tells the disciples in Luke 6, 28, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are abusive to you. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Now, I know probably many of you are sitting there thinking right now about that old country song called Pray For You. Lyrics go like this. I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were growing great until they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do, and he said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job, and you just pray for them. So I pray your brakes go out, running down the hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. (laughs) Sounds about right, right? We've all probably said a prayer or two like that before. But I do not believe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said to pray for those who abuse you or persecute you. As a matter of fact, what God had in mind and Jesus shares with us, we can pray that God changes their heart. We pray that God will work in their life. We pray that they come to know Christ so they will stop the hurting of others, that they will be completely forgiven and healed by Christ. You know, we are to pray continuously You know, have you thought about this? Maybe the reason that someone has hurt you so much and they took it out on you, maybe they are reeling from the hurt that they've experienced themselves. It's not right. But we've got to think about what's the cause there. You know, we want to pray that God will shower His love upon them and draw them unto repentance. We want to pray continuously. Your, Your prayers may or may not change the person that you are praying for, but they will change you and allow you to carry out forgiveness. Your attitude towards that person will change, and one day you will be able to forgive them. Ephesians puts it like this. Remember Pastor Grant last week, chapter 4, verses 30 through 32, he talked about this. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. But kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. But, but God, I don't, I don't like that, not being able to live out bitterness and wrath and anger. You see, the Spirit changes us into whom we should be not who we want to be at times. As a matter of fact, Colossians 3.12 goes right along with Ephesians 4.31 and 32 when it reads, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, and whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. Man, Ephesians, God in Christ also has forgiven you. Colossians, just as the Lord forgave you. Folks, it is important to remember that in this art of forgiveness, we have to lead with the reminder of how far and how much God has forgiven you and me. 
It's got to start there because in our flesh, we will never forgive. But in a reminder through the spirit of what Christ done through his work upon the cross, when he saved us and he changed us, he forgave us of every sin that we've committed against him. Forgiveness starts. Forgiveness starts with remembering what Christ has done. And we begin to pray for those who have hurt us. What's the second step? Serve those who have hurt you. George, I don't, I don't know about that either. Choosing to do good to those who have sinned against you. Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 12. And everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. I want you to know this, that Jesus doesn't say to wait until you see how someone treats you so that you will know how to treat them. No, he says that you should treat them the way you want them to treat you. Whether they do or don't, that's beside the point. But many times, doing good for people has a way of softening their heart, and it can definitely soften yours. So what do we do? We act upon this. We're in prayer. We're thinking about the one who, man, it's tough to forgive or the one who we need to forgive and we think about that person we pray we begin over the next week or weeks or months or years to continue to pray and determine to do something nice for them you might be surprised at what happens listen we should pray for those that hurt us we should serve and do good to those who hurt us but is that all we should do I think the Bible gives us much clarity on the, on the last step that we need to look at this morning. I believe that there is one more step. We need to try to forget what the person has done to offend us. Especially if they've asked for forgiveness. Folks, when someone asks for forgiveness, there's no choice in the matter. As a believer, we are to hope and pray for reconciliation. And when it gets the opportunity, we must take action to reconcile. When we think about this, I know it's not easy to do. Some of you say, man, how can I forget? And I think about this hurt and pain constantly. Normally when we think about the word forget, we think about accidental forgetting. How about this? You forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. You forgot an appointment. You forgot to set the alarm clock. You, you didn't actually mean to do any of those things. It just slipped your mind and you forgot. But the forgetting we're talking about right here is intentional forgetting. One of the definitions of the word forget is, uh, in Webster's is this, to disregard intentionally. That means that you choose to ignore it. It may still be in your memory, but if you act as it's never happened again, isn't that what God did for us? He is all-knowing, but he chooses not to remember our sins. He intentionally forgets. I'll tell you, if you're like me, I have a very difficult time forgetting a lot of things. I mean, that conversations, and I'll forget to like, do things my wife asks, but I mean, forgetting conversations in the past, reconciliation conversations or hurt, like hurtful conversations. I mean, I, I can recall those conversations to the word from years back. And I know this, 
I am not God or anywhere close to him. But I am so thankful that the power of the Holy Spirit allows me to choose to forget those conversations. You know, I read a story about a monk, about two monks a while back ago. that They had taken vows to, to never touch a woman. And one day they were walking back to the monastery, and as they came upon a stream, there was a woman who was trying to cross but was not strong enough to stand in the current. She asked for their help. So what happens? The first monk said that he uh, had made a vow to never touch a woman and that he wouldn't and couldn't do it. The woman continued to plead with him until finally the second monk was filled with compassion, took her in his arms, carried her across the stream. The other monk followed and then they continued their journey. They walked for miles and they did not speak. Finally, the first monk said with disgust, I can't believe you picked up that woman. You know we're never supposed to touch the opposite sex. The second monk replied, I put her down miles ago. Why do you still carry her in your heart? Listen, we can continue to carry that hurt with us until we die, or we can choose to forgive and to forget. Pursuing and acting out forgiveness involves at least three aspects. Praying, serving, and forgetting. I want to just take a few moments to share with you a, very, so a few very practical ways to live out the heart of forgiveness in everyday life. Now listen, this is going to be helpful for all of us because we all face conflict and we all need to move towards forgiveness through that conflict. In just a moment though, I want to take just a second and speak to those of us who have experienced some deep, life-changing hurt and how forgiveness can truly be granted even when we think it's impossible. So let's talk about that everyday conflict first that requires forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, those, those, those conflicting moments with the spouse or conflicting moments with our children or parents or maybe it's the employer to employee, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a conflict in the community. How do we really walk through these moments when we've had hurt or we've offended or we've been hurt or been offended, uh, we need to really look at it this way. When conflict arises, both parties must determine to lovingly talk through the issue with the fully intended goal of coming to a point of resolution. Resolving conflict involves saying that you are sorry, extending forgiveness, and refraining from rerunning the old arguments. Here's some steps that you can take. First, be willing to admit, I am wrong. Follow it up with, I was wrong, I shouldn't have, and be specific with what you were wrong in doing. What about this? Be willing to say, I am sorry. I'm sorry I did this and that I caused you to feel this. Maybe be willing to repent. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'll repent. Speak to that person. I know that I hurt you deeply and I do not wish to hurt you in this way again. Isn't that the part of, of forgiveness and, and reconciliation? Is like, I don't want to hurt you like that again. And how about this? Be willing to ask for forgiveness. All right, George, you just crossed the line. No, let's carry it out. Will you forgive me for doing this? 
What about granting forgiveness? Oh, man, asking forgiveness. They should ask for forgiveness. Then you better be ready to grant it, right? Nothing worse than someone than when you go to apologize to someone and they just look at you and go, eh. Be ready to grant it. Do it specifically. I forgive you for, and fill in the blank for how they hurt you or what they're asking to be forgiven of. Do it graciously. This kind of thought, I know I've done things like that myself. What about this at the end of it? Forgive as God does. He remembers no more. It's a choice. Forgiveness and reconciliation come with a choice to let it be, to move on, and not to be bringing it up over and over again. But the desire to pursue forgiveness at all costs should truly be at the heart of every believer. You know, I want to speak specifically for just a moment to those of you who have been victims of sexual, physical, emotional abuse, maybe the pathological lying, or, or you fill in the blank of where you've been hurt deeply. I know there's a, many more things. But forgiving your abuser or the, one, or the ones who cause so much hurt and pain in these types of ways, I know forgiveness seems impossible. As a matter of fact, it may even come across this morning as a slap in the face on top of all the hurt and pain. You want me to do what? God says, what? I want to share with you just a quick illustration. I've shared this in some different venues uh, here at Fellowship. Uh, I'm not sure I've shared it from the teaching pulpit, but uh, and earlier, uh, earlier on in my ministry, had a lady who came after we did a series on forgiveness in our church. She came and just said, hey, can I meet with you? And uh, I said, absolutely. And we pulled in a, another lady to, to meet with us. And she just sat down and she says, I, I can never forgive this person for what they did. I don't want to. I can't but I want to be right with the Lord. So you sit there and you listen and you just kind of take it in. And I said, I said, ma'am, I, I don't know your hurt and your pain to that extent. I've never experienced that. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing when you leave here today so that maybe the process will begin. I just want you to begin to pray for that person. She said, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to. I said, I, I didn't say if you want to. I said, if you really want to be right with the Lord, let's just let's, let's put into practice some, some things that God has given us to, to maybe help overcome this. Didn't promise her that she would because I didn't know. But she began to pray. She came back to my office about six months later, and she said, man, I still just don't want to forgive. And I, I, definitely, um, man, I definitely don't want to pray for anything good for that person, but I'm praying. She wants you to know. She came back six months later and she said, man, this praying thing's tough, but it works. And she said, I, I'm now at the place that I, that I truly do want forgiveness to take place. Fast forward two or three years later, she comes to my office and we had worked throughout time together and she'd worked with some other ladies and uh, she came to my office and she said, man, you know, sometimes I just don't like God's word. She said, but it works. And she said, you know, I, I don't want to have a relationship with this person, but I do want to forgive them. 
And she had been hurt deeply in ways that should never have been taken place. And in that moment, she showed me a letter that she wrote to this person. And she said, I've prayed, I've written a letter, I've given this to God, and I truly do believe I can forgive. And we'll see where God takes us from there. Listen, I want to I step aside here just for a second. What I'm not telling you this morning, if you are in this situation right now, is God does not expect, and we do not expect as believers, for you to sit through the abuse. Do not hear that this morning. We're not saying sit through it, say it's okay, and you forgive them. No, 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 no. Remove yourself from the abuse. Get the help that you need from our pastors, or we'll send you to some folks that we could help you through this. But I do want you to hear is that there is a possibility. It is not impossible. Because God's called us to be people of forgiveness, so he will allow that to take place. Even in the most difficult, difficult situations. As we close, let me just encourage you, if you are struggling with forgiveness, I want you to begin to pray for the person that has offended you. I want you to understand that you need to be patient. Because you've been harboring ill feelings toward that person for months or years. Don't expect those feelings to vanquish overnight. You're not going to wake up in the morning and go, I forget. (sighs) It's a process. So on the screen, it says this. Pray, serve, forget. Continue to pray every day until you have truly forgiven. Ask God for his help. As you pray, you will not be able to do this within your own flesh. It has to come from the Spirit of the Lord working within you. Choose to do good for this person, whether they respond or not. And finally, decide to intentionally forget what they have done to you. Listen, they may never change, but through this process, I promise you this based on the Word of God, you will. And God wants his believers, his followers, to live a healthy and holy life individually and as a unified body within the local church and the church's greatest prospect. Can I tell you this morning, God desires that forgiveness be about the believer's character and heart. Will you pray with me this morning?